Just in and so good. Thousands of spring deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save big today on new arrivals from Kate Spade, New York, Nike, Sam Edelman, Free People, and Madewell, starting at only $30. Great brands and great prices on dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and more. So rack your look and get first dibs on spring styles you want now from just $30 at your Nordstrom Rack Store. What will you find? 911, what's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Somebody Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're going to make it out of here, we got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. She was hired to fix DC's 911 problems. It was the worst I'd ever seen. But instead says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs in leadership. Now the I-team digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on 7 News at 5. Hey everybody, let's get really hype. Hey everybody, let's get ready to fight. Hey everybody, let's get ready to get ready tonight. It's yeah. It's a wizard and a bruiser. Stop being a loser. If your mom catches you listening to this show, tell her, mom, you gotta go. I'm listening to mom's blow what oh sorry i was just trying to be like your backup singer or whatever wizard and the bruiser in a half shell wizard bruise <laughs> hey everybody i am your wiggly wizard jake young oh and i'm your rigid as a rock <laughs> <laughs> bruiser which one did you say uh, hold it mcneely Damn it, Jake! We did our episode on on Deadpool, and uh, I uh, had a really good time researching this one. Uh, it's a wonderful character. Of course, this was voted on in our Patreon poll. Oh, are you talking about how if you go to uh, Patreon.com/slash/Wizbrew, you can get access to our bonus feed and at higher tiers even dictate what we cover on the show? And you put the dick in dictate, audience, <laughs> because we're doing Deadpool and we're doing it all night long. Now I know what you're thinking. <laughs> Random references, self-insertion, uh, fourth wall breaking. I know, we're just as funny as Deadpool. Right? Everything about Deadpool is is, is like us. Yeah, we're ba- we're the Deadpool of podcasts. I would say We've we're been probably around the Deadpool. Si- we peaked in the 90s. We're intensely underrated. <laughs> uh, we appeal to a strikingly narrow demographic. <laughs> and we both love swords. Yeah, I'd say. Deadpool is one of the most fascinating characters to ever come out of comics. Yes. Um, I can't believe he exists. He is almost like you can't, you could never have made him on purpose because basically like there's all these like, it's it's all these things that like make a superhero compelling for like teenage boys. You know, the idea of like uh, being strong when you're weak, the idea of being brave when you're scared, the idea of the things that, Uh, you're so afraid of being unable to hurt you but then Deadpool like gives it just enough like dark edge and just enough relatability and the design is like born not from the 1960s but from the 1990s this this is going to be my grand theory of Deadpool like throughout I hope we have an hour to cover this because I've been doing nothing but reading old Deadpool comics listening to interviews with the writers and creators and just I'm I'm losing my shit because Let's start in a fun old time that I like to call the best years that ever happened, uh, the 1990s. Pew, 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 pew. Hey, you got to get on that bus, old lady. I'm trying to just set the environment I, up. Are you? Was that like a gangster past? No, that was just what the 90s was like, in my opinion. Just machine gun. Hey, Mom, I'm leaving for good. I'm a punk. You were eight. <laughs> <laughs> It's more like, oh man, these paper, these tiny pamphlets with pictures of large-breasted ladies and cool guns are the most interesting thing in the world to me, <laughs> eight-year-old Jake. Good old Spawn, good old Savage Dragon. Well, this is a, a pre-image 
yeah. world we're living in right now. And um, but but yes, yes, we're in that age of dark, gritty <laughs> anti heroes are starting to come about. And actually, I want to say this right now. I feel like uh, Deadpool is to anti heroes in comics as uh, actually the Ninja Turtle comics were to like Ronin and like Daredevil. Both like samurai stuff. He, uh, Deadpool would not exist without Frank Miller. And if you if you have this self control to listen to our Frank to scroll back uh, and listen to our Frank Miller episode before you listen to this, it will help you give context because Frank Miller exploded the Marvel Comics universe. He brought an edge to it. He brought a kind of violence, a a militarized kind of darker, mature tone, or in reality, what Frank Miller was like, just this scrawny young dude's idea of what a darker, more mature tone is. And um, you also wouldn't have Deadpool without Rob Liefeld. I'm what getting are to about? it. I'm, I'm sorry. getting to it. So Rob Liefeld. So if Frank Miller is the young upstart trying to like be the mature adult, then like Rob Liefeld is like the baby trying to like one up the young upstart. Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you look at Cable. Like, genuinely look at Cable. He's literally Frank Miller's old man Batman from Dark Knight Returns with a bunch of cool guns yeah. and cyborg shit. Completely. Absolutely. And the idea that, uh, you know, Cable in his, like, tactical costume with his white hair was always about, like, the mission. We've got to be prepared. Like, good soldiers are loyal, but the best soldiers are above, like, the mission. And... That was like all Rob Liefeld kind of taking what Frank Miller was laying down and just cranking it to 11. Uh, He was put on the New Mutants, which was a flailing attempt to cash in on the uh, X-Men, which, you know, uh, this is, oh, God. 1991? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The New Mutants was, uh, X-Men were the biggest deal in comics at the time. It was uh, Chris Claremont and... uh, 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 John Byrne, I think, was the uh, was the artist on that. Um, Don't even know because I they just were, know it was Nisiaza. Oh, this was an old... And Liefeld taking over for them. So, uh, yeah, on um, the New Mutants was flailing. They were trying to be like a cool teen squad because the X-Men had kind of matured beyond that. And they were awful. Like, everyone was, like, decked out in 80s gear. No one really, like, it just wasn't quite clicking the way that the X-Men were. There was a lot of good early New Mutant stuff with Bill Sienkiewicz, but... Um, it was, in fact, it was the worst-selling uh, X, X-Men-related property of um, at, at the time. It was which, doing so badly. I, to put things in perspective, there, if Marvel and DC had a single book, that was selling as well as the worst-selling X-Men book in 1991, they would be exploding with fluids, both sexual and vital. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, like, have you ever just, like, have you ever just been so successful that, like, just bile poured out of your nose? (laughs) That's what a New Mutants in 1991 sales would be for Modern Marvel. Right. So they, uh, so Rob Liefeld was taking on art duties and mm-hmm. his style was completely different from anything they had ever done. Rob Liefeld is a self-taught artist. Uh, he, he got his start at Megaton Comics. Um, the, uh, even though the editor he submitted to, to get that job, felt his illustrations had, in quotes, some goofy anatomy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megaton went out of business shortly after he started there. He actually had an original um, they posted a, an image of an early Youngblood uh, uh, superhero team in, in Megaton. Um, then he uh, got work. He went to a San Francisco Comic Con and uh, through the urging of his friend showed us uh, people at DC and people at Marvel his portfolio, which, by the way, first of all, that kind of blows my mind. I don't think that's necessarily could ever possibly happen today. Not like you still, can't just you can just go to a Comic Con with your with your portfolio and get work. It takes a little more finagling than that. But, uh, yeah, people are still looking. It's it's harder than it's ever been. The market mm. is is you know more dire than it's ever been but yes there is through comic cons you can still get your work seen and there are still scouts looking for talented artists so he ends up getting work for both uh, DC and Marvel he wrote Hawk and Dove for DC which is actually apparently still a, a popular superhero duo today for them um, also for X-Men uh, he uh, or for um, uh, Marvel he started uh, working on stuff 
Um, and uh, yeah, let's see. It was, uh, and mainly he really kind of got his his big start with um, the New Mutants. Um, his first big gig was an Amazing Spider-Man Annual number twenty-three. Then the New Mutants, him and Fabian Nicieza. Nicie- Nic- you, you had it. Um, it was Nicieza? a it was a running gag on Nerd of Mouth that neither me nor Mike knew how to pronounce. At some point, it devolved to Nijiju, <laughs> but it's Nicieza. Nicieza, born uh, in Argentina, grew up in New Jersey. He studied at Rutgers, interned at ABC Television, got a degree in public relations. Right, he was a marketing guy for mm-hmm. Marvel. He was uh, older. Yep. He. Uh, but he was more in tune with the Marvel House style and kind of he had been working for promotions. He wrote ad copy for it. And New Mutants was his one of his first major uh, writing gigs as well. Yeah, he wrote short articles for Marvel's promo mag Marvel Age. But his first comic story he got because he was getting a little bit of side work was Psy Force number nine in 1987. That's the new universe. No one cares about that. If you do, <laughs> fight me in real life. OK, <laughs> if you'd like to fight Jake in real life, you can email us at whizbrew at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'll set it up. I love to set that up. Uh, uh, and he wrote on several t- titles and in 1991 teamed up with Liefeld to write the final three issues of New Mutants. Now, that is pretty mind-blowing, that they were able to take the final three issues of this failing comic and blow the doors off of it, introducing all these new characters. Uh, Rob Liefeld, in interviews, honestly said that uh, when he was creating characters for the New Mutants, and which would then become X-Force, uh, he literally just looked at the X-Men and thought to himself, well, who are the, who's the best X-Men? And it's Wolverine. And why is Wolverine the coolest? Because he has six knives. <laughs> <laughs> Liefeld said, uh, Wolverine and Spider-Man were the two properties I was competing with at all times. I didn't have those. I didn't have access to those. I had to make my own Spider-Man and Wolverine. That's what Cable and Deadpool were meant to be. My own Spider-Man and my own Wolverine. And he also said in another point that he always just tried to align himself with Wolverine. He said, Wolverine was my guy. If I could tie anything into Wolverine, I was winning. Which, again, Wolverine came into... He was already like uh, the coolest X-Man, but it was when Frank Miller got a hold of him in this solo series that he became like the ultimate veteran ninja cigar chomping badass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And Liefeld loved Frank Miller. Now, uh, Bub, yeah, yeah, that whole, and I loved that Wolverine yeah. too. Loved that Wolverine, the big grizzly, um, you know, five o'clock shadow, and the yeah, and the big cigar. But he and was everything. also free to be the not a hero, which is mm-hmm. fun because you have the power fantasy without even the moral constraints. Even though Wolverine has strong, you know, right? What I mean? uh, the first issue that Deadpool appears in is uh, New Mutants ninety eight, I believe. Uh yes. Okay. And um wait wait. First period I have New Mutants number nine, but that's wrong. Oh. What? No, no, you're probably right. It's probably I think it's ninety eight. I think you're correct. Ninety eight, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Um and along along with him, uh also Domino, which will always appear in Rob Liefeld stuff, and uh Gideon, which is a dumb villain from the nineties that like you only remember if you had Marvel trading cards at the time. He has a dumb ponytail and he was supposed to be like the next red skull in Rob Liefeld. I, I totally remember that character because I totally had the Marvel, those fancy Marvel cards. The masterworks. The master yeah, masters. Yeah. I had the holograms. Um, I need to find that because I bet I still have them somewhere. So I'm just going to I'm just going to like cut to my gr- cut to the chase with Deadpool right now is so uh, Fabian Nicieza understood that uh, Rob designed Deadpool with his like sleek looks and samurai swords and weapons and red coloration to be a stark contrast to like the bulky and serious uh, cable. And Nicieza claims that like uh, Deadpool's smart alecky kind of chiding sarcastic tone was his idea again because cable was so serious deadpool to be a you know like batman to the joker red versus blue uh that's like a that's a weird tv tropes thing so it's like Uh, the cool blue character and the hot-blooded red character right right and and i mean also there's a couple other things in here clear liefeld's clearly a very surfacey Dude, I mean, you look at the giant exploding breasts and the giant exploding muscles on his characters. The like, knife-like legs and thighs he gives his women. Yeah, the clever, uh, you know, personality traits, would I would assume, would be uh, <laughs> attributed to the other guy. But, uh, also, but here's, here's, the, here's the catch, though. He still drew some cool-ass things that 12-year-olds love. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, this 12-year-old loved it. So... 
of all the things from the Liefeld universe. This 12 years me, by the way, not some boy that we have in the studio. But 12-year-olds now love Deadpool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even little Billy that we have tied in the corner. <laughs> Shut up, Billy. <laughs> we'll let you read more Deathstroke later. And I assure you, this crime is purely violent and not sexual. <laughs> Just keep faking those Patreon accounts for us. Um, and you'll get your death stroke. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so. I mean, Deadpool. I was by, gonna, I have Deathstroke on the brain because Deathstroke. Uh, Deadpool, of course, a complete ripoff of, of Deathstroke. That's why he's called Wade Wilson because he's really. Because it's a that joke. Was, that was Nicieza just chiding Rob Liefeld about, like how he was like very similar especially uh the idea that deathstroke is a mercenary character who's a bad guy but whose allegiances can shift a little mm -hmm. and the reliance on swords and uh another huge influence at, for a cartoonist like young rob liefeld would have been uh the teen titans books yep. by george perez he was a big fan of the teen Marvel titans Man. books mm -hmm. and and also just in general he's quoted as talking about how captain america had the shield green arrow has bow and arrow all of the dc universe like the avengers have or the justice league have like weapons you know that that define them and so that's what he wanted to do with deadpool he wanted to give him a bunch of badass weapons because he felt like he he made fun of the temple touchers uh as he referred to them of x-men uh characters where like gene gray and you know whoever were they professor just, x professor x where they just they I, touch their I, forehead here's to the thing though rob liefeld just gives everybody a bunch of weapons right <laughs> he gives every single person a bunch of weapons. okay so here's here's my grand theory is because rob liefeld designed deadpool but fabian nicieza uh kind of purposefully positioned him as the antithesis for a usual um, uh, Rob Liefeld kind of character and Rob Liefeld's normal kind of character was just a crude masquerade of whatever Frank Miller's idea of a grim dark uh, hero should be. Right. Is so, it is straight up a caricature. Yeah. So while everyone else, all the other kind of 90s extreme heroes fell by the wayside and kind of like just, you know, lost interest, because Deadpool was free to be different and kind of engaging and funny... And he still had all the cool weapons and like the pouches and the ammo packs that go into a Rob Liefeld design. He was like, he was born anew. He was going to survive for the ages because mm -hmm. while all the other heroes that survive are born from like the 60s and the 70s and are all spandex and dumb, Deadpool still looks cool and modern mm -hmm. because he is like one of the more modern hits to have emerged from uh, the Marvel Comics kind of... Uh, idea zone i mean it's interesting i find i'm finding this thread and and these these are really even just based off the last few episodes we've done of this show but i'm finding that greatness many times happens with properties that nobody cares about like that's where the greatness can can happen and and that you know he he wanted wolverine and spider-man but he couldn't have that but so he went with this other guy and they and they made something like more popular you know mm -hmm. um and and they made something more unique and interesting and i feel like and and later with the movie it's kind of the same thing and i think i think we found that with mega man i think we found that with resident evil uh all of these different properties where that one that one part of the corner of the office where they're kind of like working on the project that that company doesn't really give that much of a shit about. Therefore, they have carte blanche to fucking go bananas on it and create something unique and interesting and wonderful that that uh, such greatness can happen. And, and so I think that that's an interesting lesson I've learned from looking at, at this. Um, well, it gets so the corner office kind of becomes the main office and then the corner office again with Deadpool. Yeah, because yep. the 90s. Uh, the X-Men Actually, corner office is actually the best office, so we should probably rephrase that. Uh, the cubicles. The, yeah, yeah. The, the cobweb cubicles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that X-Men fever X becomes X-Force fever. Uh, Liefeld uh, is... I remember this time. Did you like X-Force? I, I loved... Here's the fucking okay. Liefeld difference. I loved the action figures. I loved yep. the posters. Yep. I loved everything except having to sit and read the La actual... Rob Liefeld comics. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, they're, now they're selling millions of books. And so uh, still a very young kid, Rob Liefeld, 
uh, jumps ship along with Todd McFarlane and Jim Lee, and we'll do a whole episode on the Image Comics creation. Of course, and we've talked about it before. I do have to give this one quote from Liefeld. I love it so much about his success at that time. He says, I was like, holy shit, I'm awesome. Million sales after million sales after million sales. I was kicking down doors and breaking records. That's because my passion has always been real. Um, <laughs> in our Todd McFarlane episode, I think we aired that um, that clip of Stanley just shitting all over yep. Rob and Todd at yep. the same time. So funny. Um, and so once Todd, uh, I'm sorry, once Rob Liefeld leaves, um, the X Force books kind of start tapering off. Whatever like magic they had. Uh, you know, five, this is five years, which is forever in comic book time. Kind of tapers off. Uh, the X Men kind of lose their luster a little bit. Uh, you know, new tie-ins, new crossovers. Everything just kind of goes goes down, 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 down. I got down. that issue of Jean Grey and Cyclops get married. It is the single most boring issue of a con. I don't know why I bought. It. I only bought it because they made it seem like it was going to be some collector's item. Yeah, it is literally a boring wedding where nothing happens. It is the worst uh, issue of any single comic book I've ever read. I don't know what, what I thought. Maybe some fight would happen or something. Anyways, yeah, it started tapering off. Um, <laughs> but uh, Deadpool uh, now now becomes he was already popular, but now he becomes kind of shuttled off into his own corner because his books are aren't really important anymore. They're not like the main focus for the editorial staff. Now, are you talking? So, is this before he gets his own title, or this is after he's had his? He's own had title mini series. He's had mini series. He's had a bunch of stuff. But uh, are you, I'm going to try and I'm, get into the Joe Kelly stuff. Yes, exactly what I was uh, okay. getting at. Yeah, this is around 1997. I'll just say that. Yeah. And. Uh, the idea of a Deadpool comic is really like the Marvel heads genuinely do not care. Right. Uh, Joe Kelly is a relatively new writer. Uh, he actually, I think he uh, got picked up through like a kind of scouting program through Tish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like they wanted Marvel wanted new writers uh, and they wanted to like kind of kind of test people from the screenwriting school at Tish. And they accepted Joe Kelly's pitches and he started doing a Deadpool series that was way darker and like not in the not in the, you know, like the this city is my mistress kind of dark. Like there's like, weird fucked up shit in this comic. And he starts building um, Deadpool has had like a bunch of origins over the years, but he starts building this very uh, just disturbing portrait of a modern superhero character in this book. Kelly says with Deadpool, we could do anything we wanted because everybody just expected the book to be canceled every five seconds. So nobody was paying attention and we could get away with it. And, and, and I love that, you know, and it's just the same thing we've seen in the past where you find the failing, find something failing and make it fucking awesome again. I feel like that is one of the better strategies of an up and comer uh, that the you could possibly have in any different working environment. You know, um, I, I said to myself, there are no nerd culture podcasts out there. Not a one. Jake, let's make it happen. I mean, in a way. <laughs> No, I mean, no, uh, if, uh, uh, swear to God, a lot of, I'm going to start, I'm going to shit talk. You ready to hear some shit talk? Let's hear some fucking shit. Uh, Part of doing the research for this show is uh, when I'm commuting, I will like try and listen to what other nerd podcasts have covered on certain topics. And 99% of them, they're just like dudes in their basement covering like what they ate for lunch and like maybe getting around to the actual topic. Take that nerd podcasters. Also, you're a bunch of babies and I think you're all ugly. I mean, they're probably of ad- average looks. We're all of average, you know, society makes you think that you're ugly, but really we're all, pr- we're all just lovely sixes and sevens trying to do our best. I here. bet my penis is slightly larger than most of theirs. Uh, I mean, probably buddy. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, so uh, screw you, nerd podcasters. Sorry, I've just yeah. got to get this out. Joe Kelly introduces <laughs> the idea that, like, Deadpool is a for-hire mercenary who, like, begrudgingly will try and do the right thing but still fuck up. He will, when he, like, thinks he's being altruistic, he just makes things worse. Uh, they really get into how his healing factor and his cancer are, like, this gross, like, body horror show of, of death mm. and rebirth that's, like, fucking with his brain and fucking with 
his relationships. And we should also say Ed McGinnis is uh, is great the artist. artist. Yeah, uh, who who worked on it. Now you've been reading. You said a bunch of these. Yeah, I've been reading it. Uh, I used to read it back in the time back in the day, and like, honest to God, I would read disparate issues and like. Deadpool, the cool red guy who had swords from my action figure collection, would be like beating up a blind woman and like <laughs> having mental breakdowns. And like, uh, I was just, literally, I had a little bit of time to kill right before. Yeah, <laughs> pun intended. Um, right before we recorded, I was reading, I think it was epi- uh, issue number 11 or 15, and Deadpool is distraught. He seeks the comfort of his on again, off again flame siren. And um, it turns out that Siren wasn't actually uh, the daughter of Banshee that we all know and love. Uh, It was actually the villain Typhoid Mary who had used an image holographic transducer to seduce him in the form of Siren. And Deadpool just spent half the issue depressed and feeling like his, his boundaries were violated. Yeah. Like, this is shit they did not cover right. in regular superhero comics, and they could get away with it. So if it's this kind of dark and gritty, I also know that Kelly introduced the whole fourth wall breaking gimmick that is so inherent in Deadpool, the Deadpool we know today. Now, what was that? Did that not that wasn't a goofy, funny thing back in the day? Deadpool makes jokes. That is part of his game. Deadpool is the deadly but, assassin. But who, Spider-Man makes like fun, quirky jokes. Deadpool makes like more gallows humorous jokes or sort of more. Deadpool has the freedom to. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as it's a joke, Deadpool can say it. And uh, each individual writer has kind of like played with how much that um, third wall breaking ability fourth wall breaking can actually uh, uh, do like uh, Gail Simone like really leaned yeah. hard into it during yeah. her run. Um, did she lighten it up a little bit? What was, was it, did it, was that the, was Kelly's Deadpool the darkest Deadpool? Uh, Kelly's Deadpool was, in my opinion, especially with the way that um, McGinnis drew stuff, it has like a very bizarre, grotesque edge to it that like, Carried its way over to modern Deadpool. Now I feel like the, the I love or I want to say I love how much history rewrites itself a couple times with Deadpool. It was almost canceled, but there was a write-in and internet campaign by fans to re- make Marvel reverse their decision. So yet again, the internet comes to the rescue of Deadpool and keeps this fucking comic book alive before Gale takes it over. I do believe, yeah. um, which is amazing. Like I, I the fact that there's. Uh, Executives and um, like like uh, big corporate will never get Deadpool at the end of the day, or never feel if, even if they do get it, they'll say, "Oh, that'll never sell to a large audience." I feel like, and that has happened over and over again. And it's literally taken the people themselves showing up and saying, "No, we want more of this." Like, don't I get it? I get I get how on paper this looks like this should not sell, but we will buy it. Well, here's the thing: is in modern media, and it's not modern media in mass media. Stuff like publishers and movie studios and music uh, labels all have this idea of like the quadrants, the idea that true hits are things that appeal to everyone. Right. And that to make something that is so unilaterally focused on a very specific adolescent male psycho like space is just is bad business. And uh, Deadpool really is like I'm sure there are female fans of Deadpool I'm not gonna like deny anybody that but the idea that like he's unkillable nothing like things can hurt him but he will always survive he's damaged he feels you know he's ugly he wants to cover his face he's ashamed of his looks he uh he has cool guns and like knows about all the fun weapons and knows karate and knows kung fu and can two samurai swords there's not two samurai swords (laughs) i'm sure there are lots of you know anyway um and and the freedom to always have the wisdom of the staircase. He always has the right zinger. He is always like in control when things are at their lowest. And even on top of that, this is this is something super super clutch. I don't know if I'm way off base here, uh, but breaking the fourth wall kind of like just acknowledges that he is the main character in his own story in a way that I feel like everybody until they're like truly humbled feels that way. Right. Right. 
you know, feels like, like they could just turn to some camera at any time and talk to this some audience watching them. Yeah, it's, especially that, in the, the younger years. That's and that is a that is one of the like, that is one of the things that keeps Deadpool super alive. But I will say this, and we'll talk about it, you know, more the movie more later. But I will just bring up that. Uh, I mean, Lexi loved the movie. Yeah, and I think that I think that that movie does more for superhero movies than like all other superhero movies. I think that that definitely does more than the mainline X Men movies. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I think that it really uh, female audience, older audiences. Uh, all of that good stuff um, really was we're all drawn to dead. Deadpool was like such a relief <laughs> from the constant output of the just same old, same old structured superhero movie. Like everything about it was trying to be different. And it was so fucking awesome to to get. It was so refreshing. And Deadpool to me feels like something that has always kind of been there to be refreshing to to poke at the the status quo and and to make fun of it openly you know uh yeah yeah i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like give him universal praise like you know a lot of old deadpool comics if you read them now it's a lot of like jar jar binks jokes and yeah i kind of john uh you know invader zim kind of like tacos like kind of jokes i like don't like okay so that's just how jokes work most jokes (laughs) don't age well right right i'm not gonna yeah i'm just throwing that out there that I'll say that um, I didn't really know a lot about Deadpool until like like the I mean not the movie really until like Reddit until like mm-hmm. internet forums became more of a, a, a more popular and broader and then you would go on there and people would just post Deadpool panels mm-hmm. you know that were fourth wall breaking that were funny that were ridiculous you know and and I feel like the internet again really. Uh, was drawn towards um, Deadpool, you know, because um, he couldn't because uh, he couldn't exist in the he couldn't exist in like the X Men cartoon in the nineties. Maybe he was like a background character or something, but he's too ridiculous to like really show in him all of his glory. He can't appear in like any of the Spider Man cartoons. He can't appear on like really merchandising except for like one T shirt in the back of the comic book store. So like he was just kind of this well kept close secret by the increasingly dwindling numbers of comic book readers. Were there was this kind of the hipster um, if there was a hipster version of a comic book reader like Deadpool was the type like I only read Deadpool. No, more like a hardcore like metal head right. kind of deal. <laughs> There, you can you, be exclusive without being like Faye. So, and then the movie came out and and blew me, blew me out of the water, and and I loved it so much. Now, what was your uh, personal relationship? Did you were you reading Deadpool back in the day? Were you that metalhead comic book reader? Uh, I read it on and off. Once again, it's just an unfortunate truth of the universe that like because of the humorous nature of the book, like how you felt about Deadpool was up to how you just how you felt about the joke writing abilities yeah. of any individual Deadpool writer. I like you, you mentioned that in my chat on Twitch. Yeah. The uh, Was it earlier today? Earlier actually? today. That's hilarious. This week has been a time dilation. I know. Wormhole. What the fuck is going on this week? I feel like I'm just wading through the thick oceans of, of time. The weather got like shitty immediately with yes. no crisp autumn months. Nope. I've been, I lost another four pounds this week. Congrats. I'm starving all the time. <laughs> That's so fun. Um, <laughs> it's fun to be starving sometimes. No, it's not. I just want to eat rice. That sounds Do you guys fun. know that rice is amazing? And you don't until you can't eat rice anymore. I had Thai food the other night. Fuck, that sounds great. <laughs> we all are congratulating. Also, I did. I did, now I'm talking like this. I did a Jared <laughs> video for Dorkly, and it's underperforming hits-wise. No, Jake. This, it's a great video. I... I I, the yeah, people, you're talking like the puppet right I, now. I'm very frustrated. <laughs> uh, well, we all support Jake on his journey. Pay me. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. So. Uh, anyways. So we. Uh, uh, so dead. So the Deadpool series keeps chugging along as a fan favorite. And oh fuck! I forgot about the twins thing. Can we talk about the twins thing really quick? This goes back to Liefeld. Liefeld okay. uh, with with um, Cable and Deadpool. Uh, Liefeld literally wrote or said this in an interview. I stole that crap straight out of twins. When they go to Danny DeVito, how are they twins? He goes, all the purity and strength went into Julius. All the crap that was left over went into what you see in the mirror every morning. That's Wade Wilson. 
He got it from the 90s movie Twins. <laughs> I love Rob Liefeld. He is an He's opportunist. He's so ridiculous. <laughs> so going back to the Gail Simone stuff, um, she she did a big she she started writing for, it, but then they did this big revamp with. There's too many X's involved. Oh, okay. Here. So the rumor was it might even say it in the Wikipedia article that like uh, it, there was a contract dispute with Rob Liefeld trying to like angle for more money on the X Force based characters that he had created. Uh, unfortunately, uh, he claims that the sales were so low at the time that like he wasn't even getting royalties for X Force stuff because. Again, this wasn't like this was still the boom from the 90s, just slowly tapering off with Deadpool still just kind of in the corner being this this funny, weird little book that they can just make without much oversight. And um, they wanted to kind of revamp these characters and shake things up. So this is where uh, like Cable becomes Soldier X. Yes. Soldier X and Static X are uh, is what. Uh, uh, oh no, the X Statics was actually pretty fun. That was like the Mike Allred thing. X Statics. Well, X Force became X Statics. Yeah, and everything. And again, this was during the time of like the X Games, and everything was extreme. And uh, like X was even though X Men obviously is the uh, you know they get the X from that, but everything had an X on it back in that point in the nineties. I don't understand why. Because it's cool. It was pretty rad. Um, energy drinks. Oh, I love energy drinks. <laughs> they have the taurine I need to scream. <laughs> uh, oh, so yeah, Deadpool becomes Agent X, and they kind of get rid of all of his mutant baggage and try and just press the international mercenary ninja guy angle. Hmm. And that probably didn't go so hot. Uh, not only didn't go so hot, but like there was so much reboot and uh, and canon shifting and. What's the fancy word for uh, when you when you try and uh, like fix something in canon? Retcon. Retcon. Thank you, was, Super Producer Megan, with the clutch. I was going to make up a joke answer. from downtown with all the retcons it took to make Deadpool this new guy, and then to make him back into Deadpool. I, I had a nosebleed trying to cover all of it. Yeah. Um, but Deadpool comes back to his normal. Uh, normal normal self his fans still love him and at this point the X-Men movies are coming out ah. and Marvel is pushing for more multimedia properties there's animated direct to DVD films there's uh, uh, you know web comics there's more toys more merchandising and now like Deadpool's struggle like every single time Deadpool like pops his head open people go nuts for him they love Deadpool and nobody Nobody seems to be rooting for Deadpool harder than a than a handsome Canadian boy named Rian Reynolds. Rian Reynolds. <laughs> he finds out about Deadpool while working on the Blade Trinity film. Uh, he's a fast-talking gunman named Hannibal King, and an executive. I believe the executive name's uh, name is uh, Jeff Katz. Handed him a stack of Deadpool comics and uh, said, uh, "Since you're essentially playing this guy anyway, maybe you should play him for real." Uh, in the comics themselves, Deadpool referred to, refers to his own appearance as Ryan Reynolds crossed with a Sharpay. Yeah. So I mean, it's just right there. It's so insane. Like the the uh, serendipity of of this whole movie coming together is so lovely and and just so perfect. It also doesn't hurt that Ryan Reynolds kind of his his almost go-to character is a quick-witted scumbag who kind of hates himself but is too handsome to like let that stop people. And is super lovable like as a you know at the same time as this leading man that's sort of, you know. But I'm thinking like Van Wilder. It's uh-huh. he's always just like like haha, I got all the cool quips like whatever you say Dumbo uh, mm-hmm. but then like there's always one that's like I just, I just feel like I'm never going to be good enough. Like <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. like a Ryan Reynolds trick. Exactly, and and so he's just so perfect for it. So he ends up uh, in playing Deadpool in X Men Origins Wolverine in 2009. Now, did you see this movie? Of course, we all saw it, and it was. No, a I night. did not see it. Oh, my I think God. I saw the bad, the 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 leaked one that that has like CGI missing from it and stuff. I think that the, I sort of saw the that. original had CGI missing. Like the 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 final. The final product had CGI missing off of it. Uh, 
Well, one thing you have to know is about Deadpool and Wolverine. How I mentioned earlier that Liefeld says he tries to tie everything into Wolverine. One of those tie-ins was Deadpool was created in the same program uh, that laced Wolverine's bones with adamantium. So uh, that Wolverine had that his healing abilities kind of from the same situation. You no, find- uh, the uh, from I think I think the. Deadpool's origin shifts wildly with like reboots and different characters and because of his unique metaversal existence like it's kind of, he's kind of free to do that but uh uh Deadpool's healing factor is a government enhanced version of like juice they extracted from Wolverine. Oh wow. Gotcha. Um in at least one of the versions of his origin story. Gotcha. Now in uh Wolverine Origins um the uh director and my tablet died was an Oscar-winning guy. He wrote uh, Satsi, which was like a foreign language film. He had like a very really dark he edge. He wrote that. He he directed that, um, and he wanted a violent, cool Wolverine movie because Wolverine. I don't know if you know this is violent and fucking cool. <laughs> Fox Studio had Tom Hartman. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Megan, just double check that it's Thomas Hartman who was the head of Fox at the time. Um, was a quadrant guy. It's Tom Hartman that gave us movies like, um, yeah, okay, with it with an H. Uh, Tom Hartman is the guy that gave us Titanic and Avatar, and like was acutely aware of just how specific uh, this Wolverine movie was. And on top of that, he had a bu- rumor, rumor, speculation, yada yada, Hollywood. Uh, rumor was that he had a bone to pick with the X Men franchise forever. Because he wanted it to tank. He didn't believe in it, and it succeeded wildly, and it was kind of an embarrassment for him. Um, he hated working with Brian Singer. That's like kind of drama between those two is why they brought in now uh, famously accused sexual monster Brett Ratner to direct X-Men 3, and it sucked balls. And uh, Wolverine Origins was constantly futzed with. Uh, the director had a personal tragedy in his life, and Tom Hartman demanded that they rebuild sets while he was gone to look more blockbustery. Ugh. Um, and one of the things they did was... Uh, Ryan Reynolds was pushing to be Deadpool as part of the X-Men universe, you know, with his agency and his managers and all that forever. And X-Men Origins was going to be his in. And what Tom Hartman did was make sure that they sewed Deadpool's mouth shut. Yeah. Um, I, whether or not you think it's because, like, maybe that would explain why he was, like, so mangled when they later reintroduce him, I don't know. But the idea was he, there was Ryan Reynolds. He was a cool guy with swords who was really witty. And by the end of the movie, he is he has a flesh mouth. He has laser eyes and two katanas sticking out of his hands like Wolverine, which Weird. makes no sense because the human forearm isn't katana sized. <laughs> just like even just try and figure out how that works. <laughs> the, so it ends with like Wolverine. Did you guys do a nerd of mouth on this one? Probably. <laughs> so it ends with like bad CGI of Ryan Reynolds in goop makeup fighting uh, Lieb Schreiber and fucking uh, 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 and wow I'm drawing a blank who the actor who plays Wolverine in every, Hugh Jackman Hugh Jackman uh, and it's just a clusterfuck everyone hated it um, it's a disaster yeah it was I remember it being super shit on so it just tanked. It tanked Deadpool as a as a character, especially if they're keeping this within a universe, and it tanked like so many careers, all because this one guy just genuinely did not understand what was going on. Um, I bet that happens a lot in Hollywood and politics. Now, um, <laughs> while a few years pass and like the uh, Deadpool, I'm sorry, right? Wow, that's a that's a that's a slip. Ryan Reynolds and his uh, writing team. Do you have the name of the writers? Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. Uh, they were hired to write the script. Uh, Reynolds spoke to them every day. Uh, he uh, also, uh, I love this. This makes so much sense to me now because I loved this movie that they co-wrote before that. Zombieland. Mm-hmm. That was one of their big credits. They also wrote like a G.I. Joe movie, but Zombieland feels very similar in tone and even in like with the violence and everything as this as Deadpool is it's got that same lovely sense of humor um very just kind of all over the place I loved Zombieland and I was zombied out even back then and I loved Zombieland um they stick with it 
and you know they revise the script the script like every time the script leaks fanboys go crazy for it because it's funny and unique and really captures the character mm-hmm. uh, they bring in a director named Tim Miller who works for Blur Studios. Now, you think you don't know what Blur Studios is, but the fact is they've made almost every like memorable AAA video game cinematic you could have ever imagined. Yeah, it's bizarre. He he Miller w- worked on uh, was a visual effects supervisor on Mass Effect 2 crossover. Yeah, um he like all remember all those cool Arkham Knight ads that like mm-hmm. uh, were or not Arkham, maybe uh, Arkham City ads. That was Blur. That was Blur like the, he, just, he he did also get nominated for an Academy Award for Best Animated Short Film, Go For Broke. Now, the only thing I haven't said right now is another film credit of his, because he didn't have one. This was his first feature-length film uh, uh, that he had done, which is amazing, uh, incredible to me. So, after pestering and pestering and pestering uh, the studio heads, because, you know, they're just... Ryan Reynolds is still the movie star, and they're still going to take his meanings. Also, though... You have to remember, too, not only was Deadpool fucked from X-Men Origins Wolverine, but Ryan Reynolds was fucked from Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. For, <laughs> yeah, I, dude. I mentally block out Green Lantern every day. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's what, again, why I can't believe he was able to make this fucking movie happen. I really am shocked. There is a like, scene. He was already a major superhero in a completely failed superhero movie. Like, I can't believe they would let him... They had no script. Yeah. They had no script. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a scene in Deadpool, and sorry, in Green Lantern that is so fucking embarrassing to watch that it will like induce vomiting. It is the scene where, is, yeah. uh, Meg, if you could, I don't know if YouTube will have it, but if you like search for Green Lantern show me scene. Yeah. Um, I, would, I would like to see this possibly. It is Green Lantern, you know, uh, uh, Hal Jordan hanging out with his buddy. And because of the way the suit is animated, everything has to always be green screened. And so he's supposed to be sitting in his apartment, but it's just a shitty green screen effect. His buddy is supposed to be sitting in a couch and it's a shitty green screen effect. And like the buddy is supposed to be this like crazy nerd that like loves like all this sci-fi shit. And it's just there's so much. Okay, okay, okay. Let's see if this works. Uh, Ryan Reynolds gets up from his messy bed. Start talking. His buddy. A racetrack. Yeah. Mm. They're explaining That's that you could come up with. Ryan Reynolds is a superhero now. Racetrack. Oh, I'm sorry. I, did I disappoint you? I materialized a racetrack out of pure energy, saving hundreds of people, and, and you're disappointed. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry about that. No, I want to see this stuff. You're going to have to show me. Oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Come on, I want to see this stuff, you know? Like, I want to see the outfit. Yeah. The what you do you want me to do? Me. No, I, I just... No, you know how buddies just want you to show them the thing? You know, buddies just want to show you your thing. I want to see it. I want to see it. You know, the normal thing two friends say. This is... By the way, Ryan Reynolds is in a tank top and is rippling with muscle. And his friend is... Oh, here it comes. Here comes the big moment. You ready to have your mind blown? Yeah. Ring. Finger. Finger. He is licking his lips. His friend is licking his lips. And he's getting warmed up. Here we go. And nothing happens. And in the theaters, I could tell that this was like super green screen. It's just, it's out of juice. There's like lots of awkward moments. There's just lots of... This is a major motion picture. <laughs> yeah. He recharges the ring. And now pay attention. Okay, look at this. Oh, green. Oh, green. Yeah, the costume wow. looks fucking awful. I know, right? The mask looks awful. <laughs> look, it's fucking disgusting. <laughs> But here's the crazy part. So, I think it was, uh, he so just bad, screams huh? green. Why does he do yeah. that? They're playing wacky music, which is like every bad movie's like key that's like, fuck, it's not funny. We'll just communicate that it's supposed to be funny. Right. Um, that's Ryan Reynolds, the star of Deadpool, and his buddy. Do you know who that is? 
That's Taika Waititi, the director of Thor Ragnarok. Whoa, amazing. These two idiots in one of the most painfully awkward scenes in superhero movie uh, history both came out through a river of shit clean on the other side. (laughs) That's incredible. We might have to cut that down depending on how much copyrighted noises we just used. (laughs) Um, So uh, after pestering, they give uh, Tim Miller like a couple dozen grand, like, you know, something like 50 grand. Just to like do a proof of it concept. It said a low six figure budget. Okay. So it was six figures, but it was probably like barely six figures. It was probably like a hundred thousand or because something. Because their big sell was like, no, we got this good CGI studio guy. So, so many of the effects won't have to be practical. We won't have to like build sets. We won't have to hire Teamsters. We'll just do it in house and no one will know the difference. And to prove that they can do that and that Tim Miller and Blur Studios, uh, could, could pull that off that's why they got the test footage mm-hmm. and they did it and it was completely just shuttered yeah fox uh was not convinced by the test footage um and uh so the whole project was uh kaputs that is until some test footage leaked online i remember when that happened i was remember like during when that comic con or some shit yeah it, it, it leaked online and uh it, everyone flipped the fuck out giant internet campaign to try to get it back Reynolds said i would have leaked the test footage if i had known it would have caused that now we get to make the movie we don't get to make it with the budget of most superhero movies but we get to make it the way we want to make it if you watch the actual footage the test footage that leaked you can find it on youtube or whatever deadpool looks dead into the camera and just goes Hi, Tom. Referring to Tom Hartman, yeah. the studio head of Fox, who is literally the only, whose obstinance is the only reason they have to jump through all these hoops to make the thing. <laughs> so Fox finally, finally gives the green light in 2014 to make this movie. A Fox dis- uh, executive described the film as Ferris Bueller's Day Off meets Natural Born Killers, which I love. Um, and uh, the a PG what was it? it was an, it was R it was an R rated movie R rated movie there were doomed. there were meetings held trying to figure out how they could make it PG thirteen and they held their ground and it was not PG thirteen which is fucking awesome because they there's no it way it should have been February PG-13. that's the fucking dregs. Valentine's Day and we'll get into the marketing because the marketing is so just wonderful mm-hmm. for this for this um. Uh, uh, film, but uh, yeah, they, 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 okay. Like you have to understand, like the writers, the writers said of Ryan and, and Ryan, Ryan Reynolds, um, the writers said that he, he was like the keeper of the Deadpool flame for years. If we ever do something that is off the Deadpool path, or if it doesn't feel like Deadpool, he catches it. Ryan Reynolds fought so fucking hard to get this movie made. It's like, it's incredibly touching. Um, they even had uh, another thing I think is cool is because they were trying to dick fuck them every moment they could. They right before they started shooting, they cut the budget by like seven million dollars or something mm-hmm. like that, forcing the writers to tighten that script up so tight. That's why one of the reasons why it flows so well. They actually made the, the script is lean as hell. It's like they had to cut several pages out, like even right before they started shooting. Uh, and also, also, while this is happening, uh, Deadpool is doing great in the nerd sphere. Yes, hugely uh, well. If you look at those, the and Comic Con every year, someone is, always dresses up like Deadpool and, and makes these great viral videos. Uh, Brian Posehn and his writing partner, uh, Gary Duggan, mm-hmm. Jerry, Jerry Duggan, um, were doing great job. The Dead Presidents was their inaugural storyline. They introduced a lot of things like giving Deadpool like this uh, mysterious like voodoo priestess <laughs> to be his wife. Uh, they introduced a daughter that he never had. And he's uh, confirmed as being pansexual uh, by by writer uh, Gary Duggan Jerry, uh, via Jerry. Jerry via Twitter uh, in December 2013. He's just in the news. He's in. He's in the sphere. Uh, he even shows up in cartoons finally. Like uh, you know enough fans. Uh, even Joe Kelly gets into TV writing. So he starts Deadpool starts showing up in Marvel animated properties. Uh, if you uh, get the, uh, yeah, okay, this is Deadpool's origin it, when he shows up in the children's cartoon, Ultimate Spider-Man. What's your secret? Origin story time! Yeah! Ever since I can remember, I've always been a fighter. Yeah. How am I in your origin He's fighting story? ninjas in his nursery greatness. room. I was a normal baby for 30 seconds. Again, he's making fun of superhero tropes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
Um, he also appears in uh, Marvel's Capcom Three as like one of the fan favorite characters. Yeah, totally. Who is his uh, special? You know, do you remember what his level three was? No. He grabs his own life bar and EX meter and hits you with that. Ah, that's amazing. Uh, it, I just need to hear the Marvel's Capcom Three Deadpool voice. Just like Megan, hit me with like one line of it. Hey, I freaking love Street Fighter. Autograph your spleen for me? Yeah, that that voice. That like bang, 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 bang. That yeah. voice. Um, and so the fan fans are so ready for it. The leaks build it to a froth, and Ryan Reynolds knows that like he's not going to get any studio help for this. So he becomes basically a one man meme factory he's, to promote. this He's thing. straight up, and and even in the shooting too. Just it, like Miller and Reynolds literally wept when they saw the completed costume because they had worked so fucking hard. Uh, Reynolds said, "We fought like hell to make the most faithful comic book." to movie adaptation fans have ever seen. That's hard to accomplish in a feat, but we're just so happy with how this came out. Uh, he was literally paying the writers because the writers were were even writing out fights very, very specifically to a T. Um, after the Fox executives would no longer pay the writers, Ryan Reynolds was paying them himself to be on set every day to help with the shooting. Um, and and all, all throughout the film, tons, most of the jokes are improvised by Reynolds. Um, the actors often came up with around 15 alternate jokes for each one written in the script and were generally only limited to those be, uh, because of time constraints. And the movie itself has like a ton of stuff that like just uh, this is the other thing that only Deadpool can do is he can acknowledge like the pop culture around him. He can acknowledge like cell phones and porn and like have you know throughout throughout most of the movie he's just fucking his girlfriend Vanessa yeah um and like he's he's not he's from like a lower dreg of society like his girlfriend's a stripper mm-hmm. he is like mom's addicted to pain pills he's like you know there's this there's this kind of more relatable squalor it's funny to like life. we we talk about how Spider-Man is this super relatable character but I feel like in today's you know times we relate more with this guy because like everybody has some fucked shit in their life. Like everybody's got demons and and issues and real issues or family with real issues. So it's actually almost more relatable to have this like guy he has with cancer. Yeah. He gets a cancer diagnosis. Yeah. It's insane. So, uh, yeah, and, and you know, it, it's just amazing how it all came together. And, um, yes, as you mentioned uh, earlier, Reynolds goes, they go insane in a very Deadpool fashion uh, on the viral, mar- viral marketing for this. It was perfect because of the fourth wall breaking and everything. Mm-hmm. You could just... Go banana like that is a guerrilla marketing uh, ad exec's dream. Like well, it also uh, helps to ha- that advertise for a movie like that. It also helps that the most dominant forms of viral media are all controlled by nerds who are eager to spread any Deadpool yes. meme they can find. Yes. So in March 2015, Reynolds reveals the Deadpool costume in a parody of a famous magazine shoot of Burt Reynolds lying on a bearskin rug in front of a fireplace. The next month, Reynolds said in an interview with Extra on Extra with Mario Lopez that the film would be family friendly only to see Deadpool seemingly murder Lopez and announce that the video was an April Fool's joke and Deadpool will of course be rated R for Halloween Reynolds released a video of himself in the Deadpool costume interacting with a group of children dressed like X-Men which is hilarious you know, my favorite being part being how many uh, him asking them how many times have you taken a human life <laughs> uh, there's something in, 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 uh, in December they had the 12 days of Deadpool campaign where they had ad spots popping up I loved the billboards. There's the billboard that's just the emotes. That's like the skull emote for dead, the poop emote for poo, and then an L. And that was the that was the billboard. Or and and actually you, the more, Valentine's Day. The Valentine's son. Day is the best. The va- they made it look like it was a Valentine's Day romantic, like, roma- yeah, romantic comedy. Um, and I, I I hope someone got fooled by that. I uh, really do. My favorite was uh, they would release these like public <laughs> health PSAs. Uh, with Ryan Reynolds in it. Uh, Megan, can you do the uh, the testicular cancer one? Gentlemen. All right. How well do you know your happy sex? <laughs> yeah, he's literally sure fondling billiard uh, balls. More than mommy would like, but it's time you started paying attention to your favorite pastime because that bag of beans bouncing around in your hand could be trying to kill you. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah bag of beans. There we go. <laughs> because testicular right. cancer is the most common form of cancer. It's in like, th- that's another big, so funny. that's another big it's thing that like modern that. Deadpool does. Hold each of your <laughs> and <laughs> now he's just good. Of uh, hands uh, checking testicles. It's, it's phenomenal. This is another thing that like a lot of the later Deadpool writers like made sure to do that. Like 
they kind of softened him a little like Deadpool is like a caring father and like you know has a sense of right versus wrong he doesn't care about like you know propriety or personal boundaries or anything like that but like uh there's a recent Deadpool miniseries that was Hawkeye versus Deadpool where like it's revealed that Deadpool knows American sign language and communicates with like a deaf person very kindly like you know the, the modern Deadpool is is a modern uh, uh, power fantasy mm-hmm. of being above the fray, being immortal, being wounded yet persevering, and just being like being a nice guy when the day is over. Yeah, and uh, and uh, but yeah, the uh, it was it was and it did so well. The film does great. It 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 crushed it. I remember back when it was coming out. Like I was by that point, I was already kind of superhero movied out a little bit, and it was just so refreshing to watch that film uh, with my fiance, and we were both just like laughing our asses off, and like just loved it. And it was just every fucking thing that all those other movies weren't. It was just like genuine and made with real heart, and that heart like fucking sings, man. Like that that shit really reads really well like like and and it really made me uh especially doing this research gave me a massive profound respect for ryan reynolds um it's incredible that he would put himself through all of this to try to get this thing made that he would fight so hard to try to make this thing happen because he fucking knew because sometimes you just know you know it's going to be a success you know if you just let if the studios just let you do your thing and you can go off in your corner okay sure you want to cut my budget again cut my budget again we're still making this fucking movie well if you want to i mean i guess it makes sense uh i guess it makes sense because you know what like yeah we're gonna stick to our guns and we're gonna we're gonna make it work and just like ryan reynolds it'll be 10 years of our lives and we'll be in our 40s by the time it finally pays off. <laughs> exactly. Um, so Deadpool 2 is set to be released in June 1st of 2018. They got uh, the director David Leach to make it. Uh, he did Atomic Blonde. Um, and Reynolds and the writers are still there. Uh, Josh Brolin has been cast as Cable. Mm-hmm. And uh, it will be based around the whole X-Force thing. So that'll be interesting. We might even have X-Force movies coming out. Um, yeah. And uh, I love that Tim Miller, he is um, uh, has is working on a Sonic the Hedgehog movie coming out next year. <laughs> I Who knows? <laughs> who knows? I just saw that in IMDb and I had to laugh. But uh, Oh, okay. dude, you got to buy Sonic Forces and play it on stream yeah it's a dumpster fire it's so terrible um so i uh to acknowledge the elephant in the room uh because deadpool gives such a voice and is such a compelling fantasy (laughs) for especially the most in need of it there's gonna be some annoying fans there's gonna be that guy at the convention that like gets a little cheeky with his cosplay. Right, right. There's gonna be that guy who does nothing but post chimichanga memes. It's happen. You know, he's he can very easily be the Rick and Morty like of yeah, superheroes. For sure. And to that, I just say, you weren't worried about idiot goobers before. Don't be worried that they happen to like the same thing as you. And and all and to add on to that, fuck you, nerd podcasters. I'm going to beat your ass. Just a little more structure and just <laughs> just try to entertain these people. You know what? No, I say we get rid of all of them, and we're the only people in the whole games and hobbies. We got to get rid of those car dudes, too. Okay. All you car talk assholes, all right. I'm coming for you. I'll I'm st- going to beat you to the ground, you, you jerk asses. I'll start by single-handedly pummeling the entire staff at IGN, the Imagine <laughs> Games Network, and you go ahead and just strangle all of Giant Bomb. Yeah, I'll go for that, uh, or unless they offer me a job, and then I'm sorry. What? See you later, Jake. But- I'm neck deep in gamer blood, and now you're bailing on me? I gotta go. I love their stuff. It's so good. Fine, I'm gonna hang out with the super best friends guys. All right. Up in Montreal. Yeah, enjoy some- Canada. I mean, probably. <laughs> yeah, you would probably enjoy Canada. <laughs> well, thank you so much for enjoying uh, or not enjoying. I don't know how you felt about it. Our Deadpool episode. <laughs> I had, guys, if there's one thing I've learned from the episode is that if I've had fun recording it, it bears no quantifiable difference to the listening audience.
Um, check us out uh, rate and review us on iTunes if you'd like that would mean a lot to us also check out our Patreon patreon.com forward slash whizbrew for five bucks you get all the bonus content uh, we just did a nerd of mouth reunion with uh, Mike Lawrence and Jake it was awesome they reviewed Thor Ragnarok uh, we have um, at 15 you get the t-shirt you get uh, we gotta get this private discord going um, uh, the private it's discord going. chat fucking talk about anime with and me and you get to choose an episode we've got big episodes coming up jojo's bizarre adventure uh hp lovecraft uh yeah we've got some big uh episode requests from our 50 dollar patrons so we thank you for that and um yeah i think that's about it check me out on twitch hold nander's ho jake uh, just go on YouTube, um, the Dorkly channel, and just click my damn puppet video like 80 times a piece. Please, just pick on his fucking puppet video. He's going to get all sad and shit. I hate sitting next to him when he's like this shit. Do you think I'm funny? Oh, God in I heaven. Say I'm funny. Ah. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.